Today on episode number 553 of the School of Podcasting, we've got it because of my podcast story. It's going to have Corey Finneran reaching for the sunscreen. We're also going to talk about editing your podcast. And when I say like these are things you should edit out and you're not sure what I mean, today I'm bringing you a flaming example. And we're going to have a conversation with author Glenn Rubenstein. He's the author of the book Podcast Advertising Works, and he's also worked in ad sales and as well as the marketing director for the Twit Network. That's valuable to a potential sponsor. If we can sell them something that's hyper-targeted, you know, we might not have opportunities for you every week or every month, but I'm telling you, the way things are going, we're going to have opportunities. It's just a matter of time until someone is looking for your specific audience. And if we put them on your podcast and it works, they're going to keep coming back. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to bring my 20 plus years of helping people harness technology, and I'm going to help you massage your message. I'm going to help you tackle your technology. I'm going to help you face your fears, flatten that learning curve, and not only help you start podcasting, but help you start podcasting right so that you have maximum impact on your audience. Our website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and you can sign up for a single course like Hindenburg Journalist, or you can sign up for a membership and get access to all 19 of our courses. Just go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start, and we might be soon hearing one of your Because of My Podcast stories, like my buddy, Corey Finneran, he does the Ivy Envy podcast about the Chicago Cubs, and we've had him on the show. He actually had Major League Baseball change a rule because of his podcast. Well, he's back. Check this out. Hi, Dave. This is Corey Finneran from the Ivy Envy podcast, a podcast that covers the 2016 world champion Chicago Cubs. And I've got a because of my podcast story that I wanted to share. I'll give a little bit of a backstory to this situation. So three or four weeks after the World Series, our website was hacked. And we thought we had everything cleaned up and taken care of. And then came another wave of attacks. And our web hosting company actually permanently suspended our account. So this was a big deal for us, not not only because it was going to be a major effort to try to recover and rebuild our website, but it also affected our podcast feed. We had self-hosted our audio files for the first six or seven years of the podcast, and then we moved to Libsyn. Unfortunately, I had kept the original feed and hadn't changed it, so now we had no way of getting our podcast episodes out. So I'm not going to get into all of that, but I wanted to share that just to kind of set the stage for where my emotions were and the same for my co-hosts. So over our eight seasons of podcasting on the Cubs and building up a sizable and very engaged audience, this was really tough to stomach because we were suddenly disconnected from our entire community. We still had our social media engagement, but they missed our episodes and it was all pretty depressing. So between Christmas and New Year's, my wife, Tawny, and my co-host's wives, Beth and Lana, they scheduled a little you know, hey, let's let's get together and meet for drinks on some afternoon uh, between between the holidays. So as we were all sitting there, Andy, Kurt, and I were discussing the timelines of when we thought we could get the podcast going again, and really just kind of commiserating and and being depressed. Then out of the blue, three of our listeners walked into the bar, and one lives in the area, one lives about thirty minutes away, 
and the other one lives four hours away, and they had gifts for us. Unbeknownst to us, all of our Patreon supporters had formed a separate Facebook group to discuss ways that they could show their appreciation for uh, our podcasting efforts throughout the Cubs season and just to show uh, support uh, as uh, you know for all the issues that we were going through with the podcast. So they gave us these canvas pictures to hang in our studios. They were custom-made, and it is a picture of the Wrigley Field marquee, and it says, a world champion podcast for a world champion team. Thank you, Ivy Envy. And they gave us each a very sizable amount of money for us to go to spring training in Arizona or to spend however we choose. So not only did these listeners give us incredible keepsakes and, and something to hang in our studios, but they also sent me... Uh, Tawny and our daughters to Arizona for spring training here in a few weeks. And the same thing for my co-hosts. It all just blew me away and it was incredibly humbling. All of these listeners that did this already financially support the podcast through Patreon. And uh, the moment uh, of them walking in and, and presenting us with that stuff. Um, oh, and and Beth was Facebook living it to the entire group of people that, that w- were a part of it. Um, but that was just something that I never would have dreamed of when we started this podcast and it really touched me and I just wanted to share that experience with you and other podcasters. So thank you, Dave. Thank you, Corey. And of course, Corey was on the show, not only talking about Ivy Envy, but he's also one of the few podcasters that actually took a podcast he was doing in the education field and actually turned it into his day job. So thank you, Corey, so much for sharing that. A lot of lessons in there too. I'm not any, anytime I ever say something about not having your WordPress feed be on WordPress, people think I'm cracking on PowerPress. PowerPress is not a bad plugin. Angelo, the whole Blueberry team is fine. I have a problem with WordPress these days. And it's really, again, WordPress is not horrible. It's not bad. You just have to keep it updated all the time. And so keep that in mind. If you're running WordPress, I use a thing called Manage WP because I have multiple WordPress sites. And I can just log in and update them all from one website. So if you want to check that out, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash Manage WP. And uh, I love it. I really do. It's great also for having a backup, things of that nature. Also, something Corey mentioned there about he self-hosted his files, even if you're having Libsyn host your files or Blueberry or Spreaker or whoever, Podbean, You should keep a local copy somewhere, whether it's on your hard drive, on Dropbox, on whatever you're using to back things up. Realize that whoever you're using for your media host, it's a lot like the electric company. And if you decide one day, ah, you know what, I'm kind of done with this show, I'm just going to cancel it. Well, when you do that, it's like canceling not paying your electric bill. Well, what happens? Well, they quit providing the service of giving you electricity. So when you're paying for media hosting and you quit paying for it, guess what? They quit hosting your media and they don't keep it. Why would they? So if you're like, oh, well, it's in the cloud somewhere. No, it's only in the cloud if you pay for it. So keep that in mind. Have a local copy uh, all the time, wherever it is, as well as you have one on your media host. But you should have one of your own just in case uh, the world explodes. 
Hey, one other thing I want to say right up here up front, just today, as you're listening to this, February 13th, 2017, the software I'm using right now, I'm using an Audio-Technica 2100 straight into Hindenburg Journalist, and this software that I'm using right now is on sale for a buck ninety. Even if you never use this software, definitely go check it out. It's worth it. And, uh, and again, then you can go buy the Hindenburg Journalist course if you need, if you want to eliminate that learning curve. But it's great software, especially if you're doing interviews. Check it out. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash 553. I've got a link. It'll take you right out there, but it's just today, February 13th, 2017. And if you want the pro version, which is usually way over $300, you can upgrade for much less than that. Uh, check it out again. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash 553. Speaking of things exploding, if you want to have just an explosion of fun and you happen to be in the Orlando, Florida area, Wednesday, the 22nd, we're having myself and Glenn Hebert will be in the Falls Lounge of the hotel for PodFest. Now, if you're not coming to PodFest, what's your problem? This is a great time, especially if you live anywhere that's, well, not Florida, Come on over the 23rd through the 25th, and uh, we will be at, again, I believe it's pronounced Carib Royale Resort. Uh, you can find this at podfest.us if you want to check out the hotel. But we will be, again, in the Falls Lounge at 7 o'clock on the 22nd. That's the day before the whole shindig kicks off. Should be a lot of fun. Come hang out with myself and Glenn and anybody else. You don't have to have a ticket to PodFest. This is open to the public. So if you want to come have some fun, shake my hand, have a good old time, take some selfies, Give me a because of my podcast story in, in person or a last five and five. We're always looking for those too. check it out. It's uh, the 22nd of this month, which is really literally 10 days away. How cool is that? Can't wait to shake your hand. And I want to make sure to uh, mention that right here up front. Next up, back in 2012, he was selling ads for twit.tv. And if you've ever heard of or if you've never heard of twit, it's the world's largest tech podcast network. And uh, since then, he's worked with dozens of companies to plan and execute successful podcast advertising campaigns. He's the founder of Adopter Media. Glenn Rubenstein, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we get to your book, yeah, uh, an impressive uh, resume. How long did you work at Twit? I was at Twit for, uh, in various capacities, around five years. I actually came into the company, um, I'd known Leo Laporte since the early 90s. In my uh, previous career as a journalist, I first met him when I was a kid writing about video games and doing local radio. So I actually came into Twit originally with the idea of doing a video game podcast, and then just through a series of you know odd circumstances, ended up as the director of marketing for the company and uh, working in ad sales directly under the CEO. Wow. Now, back then, podcasting was still kind of new, still kind of new even today, even though it's been, what, going on 12 years now. What were some of the biggest hurdles you, you found back then? Really, it was figuring out, you know, okay, what's this this new world that we're in of effectively monetizing podcast content? You know, originally when podcast advertising started, I mean, we saw Dell and GoDaddy and even AOL do some limited experiments, you know, in the mid-aughts. But really, once Ford, Squarespace, Audible got into uh, podcasting, we started to see that it was really viable. And seeing how it scaled, you know, through the use of offer codes, uh, best practices, figuring out the way to best communicate with the audience and give them incentivized offers, you know, the major 
make sure they use those offer codes and URLs, figuring out what sponsors wanted to see, and really getting a sense of how you could not only grow um, accounts in this space, but then figure out how to manage them over time, you know, across multiple podcasts. So it was a it was a real education, you know, really learning the ins and outs of why Twit's podcast advertising model works. And since I've left the company, it's been very interesting to see how a lot of other podcasts aren't really following that model. So part of what I do with Adopter Media is is take those best practices and the things that I learned that I learned from uh, Leo and Lisa Laporte and figure out how to apply them to uh, additional podcast networks. What do you think the biggest mistake people are doing right now with podcast advertising? You just you just shake your head when you're listening in the car or whatever. Um, I think when you see or hear hosts that don't really have that buy-in or that authenticity with the products or services they're advertising, um, where it's sort of churn and burn, like they're just taking money, you know, whoever tosses it at them. And uh, the audience is smart, right? I mean, the audience can tell if, if someone's not into the product or service that they're talking about. And part of the reason why podcast advertising gets those premium CPMs is that, you know, advertisers want those endorsements. They, they really want to leverage that genuine connection that a podcast host has with with their audience. And uh, when it's when it's insincere, you know, it's it's just a waste of time, effort and money on everyone's part. Yeah, absolutely. Like, who's your target audience for the book? Well, the interesting way that it came about is so over over the last five years, I sort of developed this little educational crash course, because believe it or not, a lot of uh, advertisers and marketers that will call about advertising on podcasts or email, in many cases, they never even listened to a podcast. Um, they don't have an idea how the medium works. And I would find this interesting uh, repetitive cycle I would be in where, you know, a marketing manager would call me and I would give him a 30 minute spiel, you know, the history of podcasting, best practices, the way to do it. And then he would, uh, you know, write me and say, hey, that was great. Can we get my director marketing? Marketing on the phone, and you can explain that all to him. And then they'd write me and say, Hey, that was great. Can we get our VP of marketing on the phone and do that with him? And finally, someone said, Hey, you know, you should really write a book and just put all of this information in there. And what's great about it is that, you know, it works for advertisers, it works for marketers, but it also works for podcasters who want to figure out how should I be approaching podcast advertising for my podcast? And also getting a sense of what's the mindset of marketers and advertisers that I'm going to be talking to. What are they looking for? How can I communicate to them what the value proposition? is and really represent uh, represent my podcast. I mean, I've had some people describe this book to me as this is a podcast sales manual, uh, essentially, because if you read this and understand the psychology of why podcast advertising works, understand the, uh, the mechanics of how it works, that will really enable you to sell your podcast and understand how you can translate what you're doing into a tangible benefit that you're offering to potential sponsors. Yeah, because I see there's a, a section of the book where you're kind of going over the objections you're going to get. I, I love the fact that you mention, I, and I love this when people go, well, how do you know somebody really listened to it? And you kind of politely point out, well, how do you know that somebody, you know, if you advertise on a magazine, how do you know somebody read it? You know, that I love the fact that people are trying to hold podcasting up to some sort of standard that, you know, old press and, and old radio, I, they weren't held up to those standards, were they? Oh, no. And you know what it is? I mean, honestly, I, and I tell this to podcasters all the time, when you hear objections like that. The truth of the matter is I found those, the people that give you those objections, they're never going to buy. They have an issue with the price. They have an issue with the medium. They're just non-believers and they're throwing up what they think is, is a valid reason why not to experiment with it or test it out. And if you could satisfy that, if you told them a hundred percent that, you know, every single person that downloaded that podcast would listen to the ad intently, they would then say, well, how do we know that the people listening to it are potential customers for our product or service? In sales, I say you're better off chasing yeses than spending a lot of time trying to convert maybes. No. Uh, yeah. That's the thing I used to love because many moons ago, I used to 
teach training on everything. And, and for a while I was teaching sales and it was, that was one of those, you know, if somebody says it's too, the price is too expensive and you go, well, if I could get your payment down to this, would you buy today? And you're trying to figure out if that's really the objection, if they're just trying to get you out the door. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's, it's crazy, you know, and so we're seeing it right now though, where everyone that works in advertising or marketing, I don't care if you're in a marketing department or company or you work for an agency, they're being assigned this task of like, Hey, uh, understand this podcasting thing that everyone's talking about. Um, and so part of it, you know, I've gotten panicked phone calls, uh, before, you know, over the weekend, uh, emails saying I need something right away. You know, can we talk about this? I have to give a presentation tomorrow. And I think that's the thing is, you know, they're coming at it from the point of view of saying something's going on here. We need to understand it. And part of the reason why I really delved into all the reasons why it works and the powerful connections that are being made here is you really have to understand that and comprehend that to understand why it's so worthwhile. And you're going to pay a premium CPM for that connection as opposed to buying ads on YouTube or digital banners. Now, obviously, when you're dealing with a twit, they're going to go CPM. Have you ever done any kind of advertising or deals where people are playing a, a flat rate for episode? Well, believe it or not, the vast majority of podcast advertising is flat rate pricing. The way it's calculated is a CPM based on the average guaranteed minimum downloads. You know, meaning that one episode might do 21,000 downloads, one might do 25,000, one might do 20,000 and change, but they're all north of 20,000 within a 30 or 45 day window. Every network is different in terms of how they guarantee those downloads. But you take that, you know, 20,000, you multiply that by the CPM, and that's how you come up with your flat rate price. So one challenge that we're going to see going forward, and I don't think this is going to affect smaller podcasters so much, but now with dynamic ads, um, and that we have platforms like Art19 that are entering the picture, the big challenge for some sponsors looking at podcasters that want to do dynamic insertion, where they're, you know, if you buy 20,000 downloads, you're paying, you know, right to the download, uh, what you pay is what you get. There's a lot of worry that that's going to turn this into a more transactional medium, whereas right now, part of the great thing is that when you're forming these partnerships with sponsors, let's say you have a podcast that's getting a couple thousand downloads an episode, you're billing based on those couple thousand downloads. But let's say you have a marquee interview or an episode goes viral, you're going to, you know, deliver two, three, five, maybe even 10 times that number of what you promised the advertiser. And when that happens, they're going to be pleased as punch and come back to you and say, Hey, let's buy more. Let's get on more episodes so we can, you know, in, uh, increase our chances of having these episodes that are going to explode and go above and beyond. Yeah, the, the more I hear about the dynamic stuff, I'm not super crazy about it. It just sounds like I'm just going to get a bunch of, uh, in some cases, not very targeted uh, sponsors coming my way for a uh, CPM that is somewhere between the 2 to $5 range is what I've heard in, in certain circles. Yeah, it turns it into ra digital radio at that point. And I mean, look. And, and I got to jump in here. Digital radio. So this is one of the things I'm really worried about with everybody just going, oh, I'll take the ad because... I mean, I started playing with the Spreaker thing and I've made a whopping eight cents so far in the last couple of weeks because it's calculating out to about $2 CPM. And I would hate to see us give away this relationship we have with our audience for $2. I just, to me, and then it's radio and then it is just radio. It's just how many ads can I stick in front of people because I got to make more because I'm only making $2 CPM. I'm really worried about this whole thing. And yeesh, let's not turn podcasting into radio. I'm not anti-sponsorship. I'm anti just putting crap in front of my audience for literally a half a 
penny of a nickel of a cent. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it turns it into ra- digital radio at that point. And I mean, look, you know, it's it's you might as well just spend it on YouTube. You're not getting what I call, you know, uh, the podcast magic of having it be a real partnership. And that's what companies look for. And that's what companies value in, in the long term. Um, I mean, you look at what's out there right now. I was talking about this um, the other day with someone about how you know, look at uh, Squarespace, look at brands like Blue Apron and Naturebox, um, and even Audible to an extent with the explosive user growth they've had. Someone like Squarespace, I mean, they've really gotten to podcast and formed partnerships, you know, with these podcasters and networks where they would sponsor for months or even, you know, uh, quarters or years at a time. And part of that is because they know that those hosts know how to communicate the product's uh, benefits and know how to make the ads compelling, make them personal, and make sure that they really resonate with the audience and feel just as interesting as the content of those podcasts. And those sort of meaningful partnerships, I mean, that's what advertisers want. That's what sustains long-term relationships in this business. And speaking of partnerships, I know in some cases, somebody might be working with somebody like an adopter media where you're, you're working through an agency. Mm-hmm. If that comes through, should the podcaster still have like one-to-one contact with the advertiser? Are they always going to be working with an agency? Well, so we facilitate that. We facilitate that whenever possible. Um, In fact, you know, one thing that we look for is saying that we want to know that we're going to be able to get a host on a phone call with with the advertiser. We know we want to get that input and buy-in from the host when we're crafting the talking points. You know, we want to take what the advertiser wants to accomplish and look at their basics of what they want covered in an ad. Um, We want to go through with that and give them our suggestions based on best practices. But then the next step is we want to go to the host and say, hey, how can we best communicate this to your audience? What ideas do you have after using the product or service or after looking around the website? Um, are there stories you can touch upon, you know, personal experiences, ways that you can make this compelling? So we want to encourage those conversations. And at the same time, we also want to run interference because one thing, this doesn't get talked about a lot, but I've seen this happen a lot, is you want to have some clear boundaries. And we're very good at running interference when you start having sponsors that say like, hey, you know, it'd be really great if you could interview our CEO in an episode. Or what if you could do a segment that really, you know, talk a bit more about what our products and services do in editorial and then we step in and are like hey that's not what we're talking about here there's a clear line between editorial and advertising and we get to play bad cop in that situation so the podcaster (laughs) comes out looking like a million bucks well that would be one of the things as you're setting this up i've noticed and i've only had a a few sponsors i mean my show basically promotes my own service so i am my Mm -hmm. own sponsor but what do you do when they go yeah we'll we'll have a 30 second spot and then they give you two minutes worth of bullet points Oh, the, you know, that, that is a frequent challenge. So yeah. again, that's something that we do in the first step. And I just say this straight up right now to, to new advertisers, which is, you know, I'm going to tell you, send me half a page and I could tell you, you know, a quarter page, three quarters of a page, whatever I tell you, you're going to send me something that's much longer than that. Um, just because if you haven't done this, you know, consistently and you go through and you're reading in your own voice, you're like, oh, that's 30 seconds. And it's like, no, it's 30 seconds when you're talking like, the, you know, the micro machines guy. But uh, you really want to make sure that, that you're uh, crystallized down the key core elements that you need there. So that is something where we play gatekeeper on that first draft to make sure that what we turn over to the podcaster is something that's reasonable, that we've read in a comfortable, anyone can understand it cadence. You know, we also make advertisers aware. God, I had this happen. This is happening more and more frequently now as quality domains are getting harder and harder to come by, which, you know, I talk about this in the chapter, why some podcast advertising uh, campaigns fail, which is if you have a unique spelling to your name or something that, you know, doesn't translate 
translate as well as an audio medium, if it's more than a few letters, you have to take into account that you're going to have to spell out that URL every time you give out the domain. You know, it's things like that. We try and run that through the first pass of best practices before a podcast host ever even sees the copy. Yeah, that's one of the things I thought was a really great tip in the book is you basically say to the podcaster, go check out their website and see how easy it is to buy because oh yeah you know you, you can send them traffic all day but if your your audience gets there and goes I don't know where am I supposed to put the promo code or whatever <laughs> it's a disaster yeah and it's it's a different medium you know one thing that's that's really podcasters should be mindful about you know when you're doing these partnerships and this is why you should vet your sponsors i mean whether you work with an agency like us or whether you go direct you have to remember if something goes wrong with uh one of your uh one of your listeners had a bad experience with that sponsor they're going to come to you the podcast host they're going to complain about it and it's going to damage your reputation going forward with any other sponsorships or recommendations that you do so you know in, in a way uh, i mean you really are staking your credibility on the line with any sponsor that that you get behind yeah there's a it's a whole other thing when that happens i know for me i went over and checked out the sponsor made sure they were you know make sure that when i was saying yeah go over and use these people it would be somebody that i would use but the other thing you have to keep in mind is uh, now you if you don't feel good and you want to take a couple weeks off that's a problem you've <laughs> yeah you've got you know it's you have a contract now to meet so it's it adds a whole new dimension to uh your show and i know um in the book you mentioned and again this is going to always go up and down that's the joy of of doing a show about any kind of technology but you say right now cpms are somewhere between somewhere between $10 and up to 50. And then there are those, you know, golden children that get above that. If, if I'm Joe Schmo podcaster, I haven't had any advertising. Maybe I've got, I don't know, 500 downloads per episode. How does somebody go about picking a price? What I would recommend first and foremost is that you want to do an audience survey and you want to put something out there, set it up on SurveyMonkey, you know, look at what any other podcast network has done. You can get a very clear sense of what sort of questions you should be asking, but you want to figure out age, income, gender, um, uh, basic interests, how much do you spend on the internet? And, uh, you know, ask about what they're interested in even above and beyond the, the topic of your podcast. But you want to see how many responses you get on that first, first and foremost, because if you have, let's say, you know, 500 or a thousand listeners and you get a hundred responses for your survey, oh man, you can really, you know, call people to action with, with your words, which put you in a very powerful position. I would say with pricing, it's always best to err on the side of caution and start low because if you can develop regular sponsorships and get sponsors to re-up with your podcast to the point that, that you're, you know, fairly full or in some cases sold out, that puts you in the power position to raise your CPMs incrementally to see what the market will bear. So, you know, maybe you start with a $10 CPM for the first six months, you lock up some sponsors. If they're happy and it's working for them, then maybe you try and find some new sponsors that are willing to pay a $15 or $20 CPM and figure out, you know, what it's really worth uh, to your advertisers. Right. And then what would be the shortest campaign that you would entertain? Um, I think three weeks is, is typically the absolute minimum. You know, a lot of sponsors want to do one-off ads and I don't think that's worth anyone's time. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on everyone involved. And especially if you're talking about a small podcast, look, if you've got 500 listeners, you know, even if you've got a hundred dollar CPM, that that's 50 bucks, right? That's 50 bucks in your pocket. When you look at what it takes to onboard an advertiser to do this vetting, to, you know, to do the process of going back and forth and developing talking points, all the legwork involved, 
You don't want to do that for one ad. You don't want to do that for one well, one-time $50 payment. So what you want to do is figure out something that's going to make it worth your while. You know, if you have a small podcast and it's a very niche audience, you can actually have something that's fairly profitable, maybe not with a few hundred listeners, but if certainly in the low thousands. And what you want to do is try and find long-term partnerships, you know, cut people deals to where you figure out what's the minimum amount of money that'll make it worth your while and then sell a package for what you think is a fair time frame to what you what you deem a relevant sponsor. And if you can develop that partnership and it works for them, they'll keep coming back quarter after quarter, year after year. And at that point, your job of selling ads gets a lot easier. Yeah, you mentioned that in the book how you really want to set it up to be a, a win-win-win, a win for the customer, you know, the audience, a win for the advertiser, and a win for you as the podcaster. And that's really what you're uh, you're going for. When it comes to adopter media, if somebody wants to work with your agency, how do they go about doing that? Well, we're very easy to get a hold of. Um, you can fill out the contact form on our website at adopter.media. Uh, our direct contact info, including my personal email address, is in the book uh, if you want to pick it up on Amazon or iTunes. And uh, the way we look at it is, you know, with sponsors, we have sponsors coming to us all the time that are asking for recommendations. So for podcasters, you know, we're not looking to represent any uh, podcasts exclusively right now, uh, except with rare exception if it really fits uh, criteria and demographic for something where we have have currently, you know, a lot of active sponsors in that realm. But what we will do is if a podcaster sends us their information, sends us their stats, says, hey, you know, this is the amount of downloads I'm getting consistently. This is what my podcast is about. This is what I'm looking for money-wise. And these are the type of ad formats that I offer. We can then keep that info on file because, you know, on any given week, we're getting between five and 20 inquiries from sponsors that want to enter podcast advertising. And they're coming at us with all sorts of requests, you know, uh, just Yesterday, two requests for podcasts that target uh, primarily a female affluent audience, a request for a male active audience that's really into health and fitness, and a small business request for uh, for small businesses that are looking for payment solutions. You know, and that's just in the last 24 hours, uh, inquiries that we've had from advertisers. So what we do is we we go through the podcasts that we have on file. We figure out, you know, uh, which are the best potential fits, which uh, are produced to, the, to our quality standard. And we put those podcasts in front of sponsors to help them make decisions about where to spend their money. Is there any kind of minimum downloads that somebody should have before they approach your company? Are you looking to pull small podcasters together to create kind of a big group? No, I would say that, you know, AdvertiseCast would be a great um, option for very small podcasters that are in the hundreds or low thousands. What we typically deem viable is we're looking between five and 10,000, uh, depending on the subject matter at least. But we think that, you know, 5,000 or perhaps a little lower, if you have a hyper niche podcast, I mean, let's say you do a podcast that's about human resources, um, or let's say that you do a podcast that uh, specifically targets, you know, people that want to lose weight and it's a weight loss support group chronicling your journey and you have, you know, a few thousand people that are on this journey with you, that's valuable to a potential sponsor. If we can sell them something that's hyper-targeted, you know, we might not have opportunities for you every week or every month, but I'm telling you, the way things are going, we're going to have opportunities. It's just a matter of time until someone is looking for your specific audience. And if we put them on your podcast and it works, they're going to keep coming back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do have to ask you about one thing. You mentioned it a couple times in the book. You yeah. mentioned Adam Carolla's, like, I think he was the <laughs> first podcast advertising that you heard. The first one that I consciously heard and was aware of, the Man Great Grilling Accessory. <laughs> Why does that stick in your brain? You know, when I heard it, 
I was amazing to me. I mean, he labeled it as an ad. So that was very novel the first time he talked about it. And he was like, you know, I want to take a moment and thank, uh, thank our sponsor. And you have to remember, I mean, early, uh, 2010s. I mean, that was, it was very novel even to hear that language, but he just started telling the story and weaving this tale about how a guy was tearing apart a steakhouse and then noticed these grates that were on a grill and said, Hey, I wonder if I can, you know, pry these off, manufacture something like this so that could be applied to any barbecue. Adam had talked about how he'd gotten one and he was cooking steaks around the studio and everyone was like, Oh my God. This is the best steak I've ever had. You know, it's it's really about the steakhouse taste from cooking grills in a specific way using these cast iron grill grates. And, you know, the punchline to all of this, I mean, because I told everybody about this for the, the couple weeks after I heard it. This was like my dinner party conversation was like, hey, do you know about cast iron grill grates and this whole steakhouse thing? Um, you know, I would bring that up because I thought it was so interesting. And the punchline to it all is I'm vegan. I don't even eat meat. And I became <laughs> an evangelist for this product after hearing the passion that Adam Carolla had talking about it. So I think that's, you know, for me, that right there was like this this big light bulb example of like, oh, my God. You know, this had an impact on me. You know, uh, I, I couldn't even remember the last thing. Maybe the Sham Wow because of the awesome, you know, infomercial commercials. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, but it's up there. It's probably up there in, you know, the top five most effective pieces of advertising that I ever heard. And it was through a podcast. And uh, by the same token, I would say, you know, working with uh, the great Leo Laporte for all those years, you know, great. The Twit is an open studio and sitting there and getting to hear Leo do these reads. I mean, Leo, Leo's the master. Of, the, of this format. And if you, if any podcaster is looking for how effective podcast ads are done, I would say, you know, listen to what Leo Laporte does and listen to just, you know, the passion and interest in the way that he tells a story and weaves his own experiences into, uh, into pitching these products because it really makes it resonate for the audience when it's interesting. And that's the key. You know, every bad podcast ad that, uh, that I hear, you know, have something in common where it sounds like someone's just reading off a script and they sound detached from it. So, I think having that genuine enthusiasm for a product or service, I mean, that's how you stand out and become one of these top podcasters. You know, that is a great point to end on. That's it. So uh, if you want to check out the book again, it's Podcast Advertising Works, How to in Turn Engage Audiences into Loyal Customers. You can find that, like you said, at iTunes or Amazon. You can find Glenn over at adopter.media.com. Glenn, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Super nice guy. It was cool to interview him. I'll have links to the show or the book, excuse me, if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 553. And I'm going to play you some clips of things I edited out of that conversation in just a second. But first, you know, I've been telling you that I help people podcast right. Something I started emphasizing. Thank you, Steve Stewart from stevestewart.me, who said, Dave, that's what you do. That's what you're different about. And so I'm going to play you a rather lengthy clip from one of the people, again, we're going to talk a lot of, of podcast pioneers. Dan Class does The Bitterest Pill. It's thebitterestpill.com. And I've listened to his his kids grow up because I've been listening to Dan for 12 years. And he was talking about, Dan is going to be teaching a class for podcasting at UCLA. And so this echoes what I've been saying about people in podcasting and Dan says something very nice at the end. So I wanted to play this for you to get a second opinion on Dave Jackson and the School of Podcasting. So the podcast course is back on. If you live in Los Angeles and you want to learn podcast If you want to learn podcasting from someone that can't even pronounce the word consider going to my podcast class. Now, I'm going to tell you why. And and, and listen, it's very hard for me sometimes to self-promote, but when it comes to this sort of thing, I definitely know what I'm talking about. Now, 
is it worth going to UCLA, UCLA to learn podcasting? Well, I think so. Yeah, because I've been on YouTube and I've seen the podcasting information they have there. And a lot of it is really good. But but listen, the depth that you can go to in 12 weeks on a college campus where they're telling you to like really get into it, man, is great. But this is what this is what happened yesterday that that I think you'll appreciate. And this is the whole reason I brought it up. So so I'm Googling college level podcasting courses because I want to see how many people are doing and, and not that many answers, uh, you, you know, results came up in Google. But I did find this one thing and there's this website and I can't remember the name of it, but they have all these tutorial videos on there. And for $15, you can get a two hour Internet course on how to start a WordPress word. Man, I, can't, I can't talk to how to start a WordPress blog or uh, how to monetize your podcast, how to launch a product, like it's all these things. So I find this guy who for $15 has a two-hour thing where he's going to teach you how to podcast, which I thought, well, shoot, that's pretty good. Okay. So I watched the introduction. I'm like, oh, you know, this guy, yeah, he's probably doing a pretty good job. So I watched the beginning of his first like his little sample video. In his sample video, he's going to talk about microphones. And he pulls out a microphone. And he goes, hey, this is the Blue Yeti made by the company Blue. Uh, it's an awesome microphone. You talk into it and it sounds like this and yada, yada, yada. And he's talking into the wrong part of the microphone. And I say to myself, Dan, pretty sure he's talking into the wrong part of the microphone. This man, the people are paying money to teach them podcasting is talking into the top, okay, of a side address microphone. So I said to myself, Dan, don't be a jerk. This guy seems like a perfectly nice guy. He, he seems like the kind of guy that, right, would teach you something. Maybe you're mistaken. You've never used a Blue Yeti. You've never even touched a Blue Yeti. Maybe it's not a side, it's a side address microphone. There's a cartoon on the website that's got to be literally 800 pixels wide of a Yeti talking into the side of a microphone with a like thumbs up thing. And then another Yeti talking into the top exactly like this guy who's trying to get your money to teach you, right? Talking into the top of it. With a, like, the do not Ghostbusters thing over it. You get what you pay for. Okay? So if you, if you get information, and, and I don't mean to just, because there are some people on the internet that give away information about this stuff that are amazing. And you know who, who they are. They're people like Dave Jackson. If you want to learn podcasting and you can do it by yourself on your on the Internet or whatever, go to Dave Jackson and Paul Colligan. You're done. OK, but if you're in L.A. and you want to sit down and have someone hold your hand. And really walk you through every detail. And I'm telling you, we're bringing in elements of psychology, elements of stand up comedy performance, voiceover techniques, principles that I've learned from PR, from advertising, from self. It's, it's, it's going to be a little nuts, actually. So, um, but yeah, into the, oh God, just like, I'm so embarrassed for all of us. This guy is talking. Anyway, never mind. I gotta get, I gotta, I gotta get over it. 
I gotta, I gotta get over it. But there's no certification, right? Everybody is a podcast expert. Joe Blow has been podcasting since 2015, and he's a podcast expert. And he wants to teach, really? Okay. Anyway, I got to calm down. So, And if you haven't figured it out, Dan is the king of the dramatic pause. I've been listening to that guy since uh, 2005. And I, like I say, I've listened to his kids grow up. I, I would be interested to see if you listen to the show over at thebitterestpill.com. I have 12 years into that. So now you're kind of jumping into the middle. But he always has these interesting stories. He's uh, He's been a stand-up comedian. He's done acting. It's pretty cool. He gives you some inside stuff into Hollywood as well. So Dan Class, thebitterestpill.com. And uh, Dan, good luck, Professor Class. Uh, that should be good. And thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. So if you want to start podcasting, go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and that'll save you on a single course or sign up for a monthly or yearly membership. And keep in mind that there's always a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you can join with no risk. Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Well, speaking of starting, you know who started the very first musical podcast? That's right, the one and only Michael Butler. He does the Rock and Roll Geek Show, and I'm going to play you a clip of Michael. And uh, as an example of here's some things that you should have edited. And this is kind of with Michael's approval. He's basically made fun of himself and he knew he shouldn't have done that. But before we get to Michael, I want to play you some clips of things that I did in this episode. And what you hear is me trying to figure out what I'm going to ask. And I have questions written down, but sometimes getting them out of my mouth just doesn't work. So the question I want to ask is, who's your target audience? But instead, it came out of my mouth uh, kind of like this. It, it, what a great title. Podcast advertising works. Is, is it geared towards a person who's trying to um, get their own ads? Or is it for somebody who's trying to, like, who's your target audience for the book? So I just cut that down to, who's your target audience for the book? Besides me going, is it for... People who like cheese or people that maybe live in France or like, ooh, I don't know what I was thinking there, but uh, yeah. So here's another one. Now, are you looking for, this is kind of a dumb question. Are you looking for podcasters with a big audience? Well, of course you are. But, and the question I asked, I actually asked him was, are there limitations? Like, will you take somebody who only has, you know, 500 downloads or something like that? So here again, in my brain, I know what I want to ask. It's just getting it out of my mouth was not the easiest thing to do. So rather than hear me think out loud, I cut it to where I finally figure out what I'm going to say. And that's what I cut to. Now, does that make my show horrible if I leave that in? But no, it just keeps things smoother. And that's what I choose to do. But my buddy, Michael Butler had a woman on his show who is a, I guess, professional groupie, or that is her side hustle meaning she likes to go to musicians and get really friendly with them. And so he had her on the show, and I'm not sure how he got her on the show or whatever, maybe because they both love rock and roll, but he was trying to find something to talk about besides, hey, you're kind of a slut. And uh, he got to music, and they had nothing in common. Check this out. Um... I'm trying to get a feel for what kind of music that you really like. 
there what kind of music that I really like. So there's this band uh, out of Moncton, New Brunswick, and they're called Lay Hay Babies. Okay. And it's a trio. It's these three women who uh, live in Moncton. So again, that's East Coast. And they sing in French and English in this language called Chiac, which is a mix between French and English. Um, is that a Canadian another Canadian band that I really like is... Now, notice she's also not listening to what Michael is asking her. She just completely ignored his question. Islands. Um, I, I can't even believe that I didn't prepare for this question of what songs I like the best. There's this uh, fantastic band what? out of Hamilton called The Dirty Nil. I don't know any of those bands. I mean, that's the thing, though, with um, well, what with the, what? Canada. It's enormous. Uh-huh. And a lot of these bands, so say like the Dirty Nil, for example, who are doing almost as good as you possibly can in Canada. Um, people don't know about them because there's so many bands kind of doing their thing. Um, my brothers and I are going to go see the Sam Roberts band on Friday. You got to know them. No, I don't know Sam Roberts. Sam Roberts? Is that they're the guy Canadiana. On... Like they are... The guy's name is Sam Roberts? His name is Sam Roberts, and then it's the Sam Roberts Band. He's not the guy who was on uh, Star Search. (laughs) No, he wouldn't have been. So again, Michael's trying to find anything in common that they can talk about, which again makes me wonder why she was on the show. I have no idea who Sam Roberts is. Do you you like Cheap Trick at all? Have you ever heard of them? Uh, Of course I've heard of them, but um, yeah, I can't say I've really listened to them. Now, as a listener of the show, that's hilarious because Michael is a huge Cheap Trick fan and Aerosmith. Huh. Have you ever heard of Aerosmith? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we used to listen to Aerosmith a lot um, when I was younger, growing up. What about um, ACDC? You like them? No, I don't. Really? Now, if you haven't figured this out, Michael is in his mid-50s, and this woman is, I don't know, an embryo at this point. And what's interesting about this is Michael misses a opportunity, in my opinion here, to ask a follow-up question, which is, why don't you like ACDC? Because she explains something here, and he doesn't follow up with that. Also, if you have a, a guest that won't shut up, sometimes you just have to barge in and barge in and just say, you know, while we're here, let's talk about this or something. But here she is talking about ACDC. And I I think he could have followed this down the rabbit trail to at least find out why, because who doesn't like ACDC? No, I feel like there's something about ACDC that feels offensive to me. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't make sense to my brain. Okay. All right. And this is where you have to, again, think through the ears of your listener. And a listener of the Rock and Roll Geek Show loves ACDC just like Michael does. So he should have said, like, well, what do you mean by that? It's not against your brain. Dig into it. Maybe she has something that we didn't think of. Maybe it's a different viewpoint from somebody who's younger and is female. Yeah. I really like the Darcy's. I really like this band called the Famines. What about That's the, based out of what, Montreal. They're what, a two-piece. Oh, you know who I really, really like is Father John Misty. I heard you talking about them on your podcast. Yeah. I don't know who that means. I've never heard their music. He's essentially, okay, so uh, Josh Tillman used to be the drummer of Fleet Foxes. I've heard of Fleet Foxes, but I've never heard him. So this is where I usually say, if you ask somebody a question and the answer is no, that's usually, in most cases, something that you will edit out because unless there was a reason why they said no, it's usually like, do you like cauliflower? And somebody goes, no. 
that's usually not that beneficial then to your audience. Until he like did a bunch of drugs, climbed a mountain, took off all his clothes and decided to go solo. <laughs> okay. Um, another, yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't know this band either, but another, uh, Canadian band. Well, no, maybe you would know them. Um, Yukon Blonde. Nope. <laughs> and Michael is laughing here because he realizes this is now a train wreck. And I should say that some of this conversation is actually edited out because she gets a little saucy and talks about naughty bits from time to time. I probably the two biggest musicians or bands in Canada right now then are Drake and Justin Bieber. Oh, you like them? No, I don't. Do you like any other American bands besides Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? That's a good question. Um, I really like this band based out of Austin, Texas called the Bright Light Social Hour. Nope. (laughs) What are some, uh, what are some, some big bands in the U.S. right now? Oh, you know who's a great, a really, really great Canadian uh, musician is Mac DeMarco. Never heard of him. <laughs> okay, so you get the point. And Michael apparently uh, on his episode after that said, my friends, I'm sorry, because most people said, I can't hang with this interview. And really to me what it sounds like is what I would call a pre-interview. Usually you kind of talk to people, what are we going to talk about? So, or I'm going to ask you about this. And he kind of already asked her about her podcast. They talked about groupies. She's kind of a groupie of groupies. Like apparently there have been famous people who have done things with plaster and all sorts of stuff. And she's very fan. She's, she's very uh, in awe of these people who have gone before her to sleep with rock stars. And um, so they talked about that, but that was about it. And here he's trying to talk about something else. And, you know, maybe this is something that you kind of have a roadmap ahead of time. But to me, that whole thing could have been edited out. But on the other hand, as I was listening to it, and it kept going on, I actually started laughing because I also realized it was a train wreck. So that to me is an example of things. We always talk about ums and you knows and everybody's crutch words, but there are times when you just have to ask yourself, is this beneficial to my audience to hear that me and this other woman cannot find anything or any band that we've ever listened to because of an age difference and apparently a general preference to to music. So that would be something here that you want to think about. Is what I'm letting out to the public going to benefit my audience? And in that case, I was laughing, going, wow, that uh, this is a whole lot of nothing going on. That's going to do it for today. Don't forget, just today, Hindenburg Journalist, a dollar 90. That's normally 95 bucks. That is definitely worth the $2. Trust me. That's what half a Starbucks. Uh, again, go to school of podcasting.com slash five, five, three. I'll have links to that. Don't forget if you're going to be in Florida on the 22nd, we have our pre podfest party that's open to the public. And if you're not going to podfest, what's your problem? It's Orlando in February. Who doesn't want to be in Florida? And plus, it's going to be great. I'll be working the Lipson booth. I'll also be uh, emceeing a screening of the Messengers documentary. That's a podcast documentary. It's going to be very, very cool. Looking forward to that. And also, there's this guy named Dave Jackson. That's the closing keynote for PodFest. So looking forward to that. And I just found out that Jared Easley is going to be there. Do you know Jared Easley? you got to know Jared Easley. He's he's written some really great books. You got to check that out. Also, he's one of the guys behind Podcast Movement. So Jared's got. For me, when I go to these things, it's like summer camp. 
I get to see all my buddies. Uh, Nick Snap is going to be there. Uh, you know, Ken Blanchard is going to be there. Daniel J. Lewis is going to be there with tons of baby picks, I bet. So I'm really looking forward to it. And if you are there, please come up. Please, please, please come up to the Lipson booth and shake my hand because I'm not going to be able to, to run around like I normally do. I'm going to be tied to the booth, baby. But I'll be talking. It'll be Lipson all day. Uh, and then uh, networking all night. Podfest.us. If you haven't got your tickets, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's so worth it. Check it out. And uh, coming up in the future, we're going to be talking about local podcasting. What if you want to do a podcast locally? If you're doing a podcast locally, I would like to talk to you. I've got a couple people interviewed for that, and I might use a, a couple more. So if you're doing a show about your hometown, would love to hear from you. Go to schoolpodcasting.com slash contact. And also, what would you like to hear on the School of Podcasting? Always open to that. So thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget, use the coupon code LISTENER when you sign up at schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. And until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. <laughs>